Welcome to Thriving in the Age of Disruption. Today, Dr. Ramesh dwells into the life and experiences of Dr. Jacqueline Srimoon, known to many as Dr. JK, who shares his journey from academia to exciting ventures across the globe. Dr. JK comes from Thailand and is now based in the US, where he drives an innovation leadership program with Global Innovation Catalyst. Dr. JK's unique journey takes us through his multicultural upbringing, academic endeavors across the world, and the leap out from his comfort zone in a conventional academic career to exciting and thriving ventures. Listen out for the pivotal moments and lessons that shaped Dr. JK's outlook on life. Welcome to Thriving in the Age of Disruption, Dr. Jagarin, or JK. We've known each other now for, I think, close to 15 years and work together as well. Do we share with the listeners your diverse background in both academia as well as your own entrepreneurial experiences? So introduce yourself first. Tell us yeah. a little bit about what you're doing, where you are right now. Okay. Rabbit, nice to meet all of you. I'm Jacqueline, or you call me JK. I'm from Thailand, actually in the north of Thailand, in Chiang Rai, near Myanmar and Laos border. I was born there. I grew up in a multiracial, multilingual environment where my mom is half Chinese, my dad is Thai. So I grew up in different environments where it's just a blessing for me and made me who I am today. How long have you been living in the US now? I have been on and off Thailand, like Asia and, and Europe and Mostly in our life since 2020, almost three years now. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing. I'm, the I'm still working with UTCC. I took sabbatical leave and I do some online teaching. Oh, and nice. I also work as a consultant with a company in San Francisco, in Palo Alto. Right. Working with some companies in Thailand to create an innovation mindset for the people in that company. I'm also teaching leadership that I've been doing for the past 10 years to the people in Myanmar, in China, Laos, Cambodia, Indonesia, and building my small real estate business now. You've always inspired me, JK. You're working on something which is still cutting edge, and then you're looking at how to bring that in. But more importantly, how to bring that into uh, academia and to have students benefit from it. And the markets that you've worked in, emerging markets, is to also bring for them the new knowledge which will allow mm. them to leapfrog rather yeah. than go through that normal curve. I was just someone trying to be better and to have a good life that time. I did my PhD in Japan. I spent seven years in Japan and I came back to Thailand. Actually, I didn't know what to do when I graduated from my PhD. Going to academy would be something easy to do. So I joined the academy at the university. So I had my PhD when I was 27. And I said, I deserve to take a rest, right? I should reward myself after working hard for many years studying. And I took rest for almost seven years after my PhD. Oh my God. I wouldn't say I waste my time a lot, losing a lot of opportunity to improve or develop myself. Because that time I would just enjoy in my comfort zone. I went to university. I teach. People listen to me. And I just got my salary, which is very good enough to be in Thailand happily. I yeah. got to do what I want to do. And that's yeah. seven years. Until I went to the course with Purani at that time. Changed my life after seven years of being in my comfort zone. Mm. And I start to see that, wow, actually, I didn't want that kind of life. I want to do something for other people. I was not born to be just comfortable. So from then on in 2009, I start to begin to look into myself and what I really want in my life, what I'm here for. And I then and, and start to have see and interact with life differently. And I start to see people in my life, they're part of me. It's not just I'm okay without them, but 
what I see was not the truth, right? Just only my perspective about life. Actually, at that time, during seven years, I didn't work very hard. I was not really inspired to work as a professor, as a teacher. So when I got into fight with a lot of people in university, I had to move to another university. So I moved to my current university. I was almost going to be the same again. Lucky I got myself into a course where I discovered something about myself. They gave me a kind of opportunity. At that time, I didn't want to be the dean of the new school. That school was so insignificant. There are less than 100 people there. I thought I deserved bigger kind of responsibility or position in university. Right? But anyway, I took it. I don't know if it's luck or something, right? There's something happened in Myanmar at that time, 2010. People came to our university and then they said the people of the Myanmar Chamber of Commerce, they want UTCC, my university, you know, from UCU Thai Chamber of Commerce in Bangkok, to open the program in Myanmar. And that time, wow, this is maybe what I'm looking forward to doing. Because I love Myanmar. I spent some time in Myanmar. And at that time, I was a student at university. I went to uh, visit Myanmar in 1997. And I kept something in my mind. I even cried when I looked down from the airplane, right? I was just a lucky person, right? I got a chance to study. I got a chance to do a lot of things in life. And then when I got the chance from my boss, my president, I just said, wow, this is what I want to do. So I took the job. And I created something I had no idea about. I didn't know what to do. I don't have any budget, no money. I just went there, started something from zero. And then at the end, you join us too, right? Venture yes. And we opened the India program in Yangkou and Mandalay. At the end, when I left the program as a dean in 2020, we graduated over 1,000 MBA from Myanmar at that time. So it was 1,000 uh, MBA graduates over. For what, 10 years? Uh, yeah, and you had uh, about 13 cohorts? Yeah, 13, 14, yeah. That's Both a great accomplishment. accomplishment. But when I went there, I didn't expect that to happen. Even my boss, she said, we just go there and you'll see what's <laughs> going to happen. Maybe two or three batches, we come back. At least we have good relationship with the Chamber of Commerce in Myanmar. But I said, if I do something, I, I want to make it happen. I want to make it big. I want to leave legacy. A lot of problems happen, but at the end, I, I look back, wow, I did it. I really love how you took the time to take us through that entire experience that you had with starting the MBA program in Myanmar. To me, that is a combination of someone who has an entrepreneurial mindset, who was able to use that mindset in creating something of value for the university. And so you became like a corporate pruner. That's amazing because you don't hear of many academics doing that. An entrepreneurial mindset is a key mindset, which is essential for today's world of disruption. And there are three key things. One is you've got to be resourceful. And by resourceful, we mean that you're able to identify the right problem. Then you can get the right solution. Number two is that you're someone who can deal with uncertainty and take risks. And number three is, of course, then that you can create value and it's just not financial value and it's just not value for yourself, but for everybody mm -hmm. else who's participating. And like you said, we were all part of that process, going out there to Yangon, also mentally to teach some of the students. It was just something thrown to me and I said, this is yeah. what I want. And I, I didn't know what to do. It's just like a seed of something and I want to plant it. I want to see the result. I, I don't know. At that time, I just I didn't think much about what kind of problem I will encounter. I just do it. Just do it that time. That's right. You worked hard, got your PhD at 27. You cruised along for the next seven years, right? And then you had this awakening at that program that you did with Purni. But the more important point is 
at that point, your passion and your purpose met the right opportunity. Yeah, it just came. The contribution that you've made as a result of taking that on, more than a thousand students have completed their MBA program. Mm. I think that's phenomenal because a lot of large and established universities all over the world were trying to bring back international MBA program when Myanmar started to open up. And UTCC was the first and for a long time, the only MBA program there. Yes. So awesome. So now you've started to do your own entrepreneurial ventures and own business? Oh, yes. I've been auditing my life for the past three years during the COVID time, right? I think it's such a great opportunity for me to start reflecting the way that to move forward in my life that really, really fulfilling me. And a lot of things happened to my life, relationship, family, work. We have the new president and I resigned from the positions and I'm looking for what's next for me and then my family here need me to take care of my niece, send her to school. So a lot of things happen. And when I look at those circumstances, they give me the perfect ingredient for my life to move forward. So that's what I'm so grateful with what happened during the COVID time, right? And then I'm thinking right now, I start my real estate, Airbnb, a kind of a house for rent. Yes. Yeah. I didn't expect it. I just bought a house and just decorate. Yes. It was like what my house. And then I said, why not start more of this kind of short-term rentals house, right? Mm. So I bought a plot of lands and I plan to spend, build four or five more of them. And right. also doing some real estate work here in, in the United States. I'm, I'm looking for opportunity, right? But the thing is, for me, I'm not saying that money is not important, but I yes. know money is not the only thing that fulfills me. So when I do something, I'm asking myself every time, what is this is for? Why you do this? And then why you do what you do? If I don't have the answer yet, when it's not clear, I'm still moving. Because just like I had that in Myanmar, I didn't know why I do that. I just took some action. I, what I believe is that when you take action, you will see answer along the way. I don't have to wait for answer until I do something. Even though I did something, it's not what I want. At least I try. So That's right. At least I don't stop myself from, I have to have the right answers to do something. I just move on. And then even though what I'm doing right now is not what I really want, then at least I, I move forward. And then I, I'm sure I'm getting closer to see what I really want in life. Yeah. What you said is really impactful because we are working with a group of participants from a corporate here in Vietnam, Hanoi, and they are from the sales team. As you show, sales team go through their highs and lows. And they're at the point where, oh, we've got this gap and this doesn't work and the market is bad. And everyone is waiting for everything to be picture perfect, right? Everything to line up. And like you said, we don't need the answer to do something. We can get going. So having that relationship with the current reality in whichever way that it shows up, to be able to take action is a very important and powerful skill to have. So thank you for highlighting that. I want to circle back to the point that you made about how you were able to take the challenges of COVID and the changes that was forced on you and to see the opportunity. Because I think that is a crisis-ready mindset. Usually in a setback, we get stuck because we don't know what to do. We don't know whether to move forward or not. And most times we try and ignore it. And the thing about crisis is that if we ignore it, it comes to a point where there's no turning back and the decision is made. So what I liked about it is that you had the right context in saying, hey, this is the perfect ingredient for me to change. 
and to move forward. It just perfect for me. If yeah. had eat the same, I would do the same thing over and over until I'm 60 and I look back, what have I done? I'm not saying what I'm doing is good or bad, right? But I said, if I want to look for something new, I welcome those kind of setbacks, something that break down in life, in whatever I do, and I start to see something new. How do you think people can create a positive and powerful relationship to setbacks? Rather, it's one thing that I see myself. I really trust my own ability that I can get over this no matter what. I have no doubt that I will get over it. But how did you develop this? When I left my first job and I had like very little money in my bank account and I said, what am I doing? And then my sister, she said, brother, I know you. You're one of the top students in, and you are very smart. You get from the great university. You have done what you worry about. And she said, look at me. I have nothing. I'm still survive." And then from then I said, you're right. Sometimes I didn't see myself, but the people might see me differently. Sometimes I have to listen to other people who are near me and ask them how they see me. Yeah, sometimes I just think less of myself. After I said, now, whatever it is, I get through it. It's amazing, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. in just a conversation like this with uh, your sister, uh, you can uh, change your entire perspective to life yeah. and take on this <laughs> confidence for every situation. How do you define spirituality and where are you in your spiritual journey? I just came back from Kyoto, right, Japan. I used to study there for six, seven years. Yes. And this time when I see Kyoto, I see the temples, right? Before I went there, took some photos and enjoyed scenery, nice, beautiful, sakura and all that. But this time I look at things, wow, I just amazed by the beauty of nature and everything around me. So for me, I just start to see things with new eyes meaning. I start to have wonder like when I see life, I see people. I just, wow, thank you for being here. Thank you for doing this. Wow. I enjoyed life because you've done this. Of course, I still complain about life, but I appreciate life and, and feel how lucky I am to be born in this world. Just beautiful. That's really awesome because having a sense of gratitude and being yeah. thankful for what we yeah. have, what we see, what we experience, what we yeah. enjoy actually gives us that new eyes, like you yeah. said, because yeah. then same thing can be so different. I went to Japan this time. My God, I took so many photos. I'm crazy boy, little boy, see something new. But I was there. I didn't really see the, the things around me like I see it right now. So spirituality is bringing wonderment to our world, to our yeah, life. I see people look at flowers and things. I think, what, what are you doing? Wasting your time, right? But yeah. I can slow down and be with things around, like the nature and wow. Great. And do you think it's possible to live a simple life? I, uh, well, right now I can see the change in me. Before I like to buy things, that and that. But now I just start to have less and be happy what I have. But I know if I didn't have what I had, I wouldn't be able to let go. So for me, at that time, you say, Jackery, don't have like luxury car, luxury house, and all those brand names, products, clothes, everything. I said, no, it's even possible. But once I have all those, then I can choose now. I can let go or I can keep. So for me, I try a lot of things in life. And then I know this is for me. This is not for me. So for me right now, like you said, a simple life is just, Beautiful and powerful. Wake up in the morning, my cup of coffee, reading some books, water my garden, running, do exercise, take care of my family. And that's just happiness for me. That's right. 
in the simplicity, you have bliss and happiness. Everyone all over the world is talking about sustainability, ESG. What's your view about that? I think it's everything starts from us, right? How it starts from everyday living, how you live sustainability in your life, how you make things sustainable in your life. So it's it's every area. Of course, I cannot say I I don't care about the world, but how I care about the world, it reflects on what I do every day in my life. So when I drink water, when I go shopping, then I see right how what my action related to sustainability for this planet. So I also start to share this with people I know, but I'm not forcing them that what they do is right or wrong, but just to see, hey, why not? That's powerful when you're not forcing people and, you know, demonstrating to them that they have choices yeah, to right. live more responsibly. I went to uh, Italy with my best friend. She lived in America and she huh? loved to have big house, big car and all that. <laughs> and we went to Italy to have small car and then we had a small room and we have to save electricity and all that. When she came back, her husband said, thank you for taking her to Italy. <laughs> she doesn't want a big car anymore. She doesn't want a big house anymore. So sometimes. We have to let people see for themselves, no matter how much we tell them do this and don't do that, how good, how bad the things that harm the environment. But once they experience like firsthand, right, then their behavior and their way of thinking might also change or alter. That's true. And in our work at TNC now, we incorporate sustainability, but we take the definition that sustainability mm-hmm. is the ongoing thriving of a living system. So it starts with us as a human being and our interconnection and awareness to the relationship that we have to all these other parts and how we are connected and we impact that. So then it becomes very easy for people to embrace sustainability and also to say, okay, what can I do at my workplace? What can the company do? Yes. If you had to choose words that represent thriving, thriving, I would say discovering. Yeah, discovery, just nothing stopping you. I don't let what I know stopping me from knowing more. Keep learning, keep discovering, and then start from nothing every day, you know, like carry your life as nothing. Keep discovering and start from nothing every day, like bring it back to zero and then start on a... Yeah. Wow, wonderful. I just want to circle back to that point that you made earlier on that you're doing some consulting work Mm -hmm. with a company in the U.S. which wants to do something in Thailand, was it in the area of innovation? And how does that work? Are they thinking that Thailand has got ideas which are more innovative and they can create it there? Or is the opposite, which is they're trying to bring their innovations to Thailand? They want to do both, bring innovation to Thailand and then for Thai people to create innovation themselves. But the thing is to start with that, it's just to create in, uh, innovation mindsets. It's not just giving them some knowledge and technology, but, but they have to start from then. So we do a lot of try and error studying project for the people in the company and let them fail. They're pitching the idea and it's successful. The company also financed the project. But for me, I want my experience with doing this kind of work. Yes. As long as people don't see innovation as part of life or they see innovation is just something extra for them, it would not work for any company. You're talking about innovation mindset, which is that they embrace it totally mm-hmm. as part of their own thinking. Mm-hmm. And you're continuously looking for new ideas. Yeah. You're curious, you're open. But they're looking forward. We see what worked, what didn't work, and we move forward with them. Yeah. So basically, you're prototyping projects, you mm-hmm. fail fast, 
Then you go back to the designing table, or you adapt, or you pivot, or you kill it off. But it's a continuous part of your innovation journey, you know? Oh, awesome. Two years ago, we set up a a new company called Impact Velocity. And its job is to look at how we can promote the 3P commitments in people in a development, planet Mm -hmm. renewal, and prosperity sharing. And as a result of that, we work a lot with incubators and accelerators. The journey for young startups is that they go out there and they start their businesses and they'll have to keep modifying it because it's not ever complete, even whilst you're fundraising or even after you're fundraised. So a lot of what you're talking in terms of having this innovation mindset is very important for entrepreneurs and young startups. What I wanted to do now is to ask you some rapid fire questions. Don't think too much about it. Give me the first one word that comes to mind. So Dr. Jacqueline, what's your favorite book? The Human Nature, Robert Greene. Yeah. And your favorite travel destination? I love Paris. Yes. That I know. (laughs) And if you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be? Uh, The new Prime Minister of Thailand. What's your guilty pleasure? Uh, Too much coffee. I got that. Your favorite song? Wow, my first song, my first song, right? It will be, I will survive. Nice one. Yeah. And the most unusual food that you've ever tried? Monkey bread in China. So you're serious. Wow. And what's an interest or a hobby that people may be surprised to learn? My hobby, I do gardening. I do interior design and also learn a lot of languages every day. And if you could have another superpower, what would it be? I wish I can have power to bring more rain to the dry area so they can have enough rain so life can sustain. Yeah. And now, uh, what about the movie that is unforgettable? Oh, it was a song trilogy. It's in the 1970s. Yes. It's about a guy who was born in a Jewish family and he's gay, transgender, and he's fighting with his family and everything to just be himself. Yeah. And the best advice that you've ever received? I'd like to do new things. And yes. even when I start something, I sometimes, you know, I can get bored easily. And then I mm-hmm. want to do something new again and again, you know. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, that's okay. It's just your brain pattern. And then you have to do something to deal with your brain pattern by giving kind of word there to live a life legacy or something. So that give me sustain my action in Myanmar. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I was, oh, I go to Vietnam. I go somewhere that's more exciting. I got bored. Uh, so that's what that's I right. Wow, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Dr. Jacqueline, I want to thank you for being on this podcast with us and sharing about your life journey. It's going to inspire many people, not just in Thailand, but in Southeast Asia and in the rest of the world. We'll have to get it out so that all your students and your friends can hear about it as well. Thank you very much. Ravage, it's my pleasure. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share about my life and what I believe and then I hope that will be meaningful listening to people. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Ramesh and Dr. JK. We hope that you've enjoyed Dr. JK's story, which is a testament to the power of gratitude, crisis resilience, and the deep commitment to making positive impact. 